0: Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Stu Goldsmith. Today I'm talking to the hardest working man in British comedy. It's none other than Scott Bennett, who on pretty much day one or possibly day two of the pandemic realised that his live diary had exploded, like uh, very many of us, um, and immediately took action and started performing uh, stand-up shows from his shed in his back garden to an audience of a webcam and his wife, who was a fantastic laugh, it must be said. Uh, We're going to be talking about Scott's attempts to deal with the, I mean, we're going to mention the pandemic, at least in passing in this episode, to so be warned on that. Um, and we're going to talk uh, about Scott's efforts to recreate his uh, his live work, his um, uh, his work ethic. We're going to talk about his unusual journey into comedy. Started late, didn't set foot on a stage till he was 30. And um, and we're going to talk as well about how he processes The guilt he feels at having given up a proper stable job in order to follow his dreams. A lovely interview, this. We did this one live on Twitch as well. Um, so, if you are following twitch.tv slash Stu Goldsmith, and don't be scared by the term Twitch, I know it feels very 12 year old computer gamey, but you don't have to use it for that. It's just a platform. Um, so, uh, have a look at twitch.tv slash Stu Goldsmith if you would like to see my face and Scott's face. In It has to be said, Scott's face is in potato quality on that particular thing because of Wi Fi problems. Um, but I'm going to be doing more live ones there. So, get on that. If you're a Twitch person, feel free to jump onto twitch.tv uh, slash Stu Goldsmith. And if you're an Amazon Prime user, then uh, look in the show notes of this uh, episode for a little thing that you can do at no cost to yourself, whereby you, you link your Amazon Prime subscription with my Twitch channel, which gives me money and costs you nothing. Yeah, right. So let's do a bit of that. And before we go into this, bear in mind there are 20 minutes of extras available exclusively to the Insiders Club, including Scott going into detail on his toolkit for observational comedy, uh, and the nuance of how he writes with other people, including Rob Bryden, Deliso Chaponda, and Jason Manford. He's going to be talking about how he changes his voice and his creativity, what sort of things morph and flow when he steps into the voice of another comic in order to, to work with them, to suggest stuff for them. We're talking about writing with, not writing for, and it is a fascinating chat indeed. 20 minutes on that if you join up at comedianscomedian.com slash insiders. Uh, where you can get all the the extra content from every episode that has it. And uh, we will come back to the wonderful things that have been done by members of the ComCom community. But before we go into this episode, my huge thanks to Roger Shaw and John Newman for upping their contribution. Uh, You remember the Insiders Club is a £2 a month minimum donation, but you can pay whatever else you want on top of that. And uh, since the pandemic hit, uh, Roger Shaw and John Newman this week are very, very lovely, warm, generous people who have upped their donation. Thanks to new subscribers Paul Kearney and Ron Sangal, or possibly Sangal. Um, And also special mention for Michael Contario or Contario. You just can't tell, and I'm always nervous about getting it wrong. Um, Michael Contario, Contario. And uh, he is—he's uh, the person this week who has gifted a subscription. So, if you want to get hold of free subscriptions every so often, very kind people like Michael—they um, uh, create a sort of a whole new gifted subscription so that if you'd like to join the Insiders Club but are not financially able at this time then uh, if you the best way to sort of do it is via the ComCom Facebook group so if you get on the the Facebook group for this podcast you will find every so often I post hey we've had some new gifties in who would like to receive them so uh, I believe Michael's is gone now but um, it's always worth getting on there to find out what comes next. Right, let's get stuck into the meat of this. This is a really good one. Scott is such a hard worker, such a naturally warm and funny guy. Very, very talented comic. Here is Scott Bennett. Are you safe? Are you isolated? What is your, you've got children, you've got a wife. What do they do? Where are they? What's your living circumstance? And I should point out to the listener in advance, we're not going to bang on about the pandemic. This is a standard com to begin with, but let's just establish the safety of our guest
1: we we're, we're all good uh my my 4 year old showed symptoms the other day which okay. but but you know, like a runny nose for a kid is all year round, so sure. it's so difficult to flag that. Yes. So we've been self-isolating now since uh, well about four days ago. Okay. But we're all we're all good. Uh, we're doing Joe Wicks's workout every morning. Great. <laughs> this is what we do now. We've got a routine, and we're all good. There's a little uh, WhatsApp group of shopping network near us. They're dropping milk on the door. Feels Amazing. like we're in the middle of the Blitz. I love it in a weird way. It's quite heartening.
0: Yes, it is. It is. Well, let's let's stay optimistic then for the moment. It is quite heartening. When mm. we should, I feel like I should preface all content released during this era with an enormous thank you and an enormous sadness to the uh, the staff all over the world, doctors and nurses and what have you, who are putting their lives on the line. And so, all of that said. Um, let's Hmm. look at some positive sort of things. It is quite exciting, isn't it? We're lucky, we're safe, our children are safe and um, we are getting to enjoy the benefits of people being pretty chipper. Are you quite a community sort of person? Do you know your neighbours?
1: Yes, we do. I mean, we we live on a a street where all our kids seem to be the same age and this is all sort of which is it feels like this sort of uh we were we were ready for this sort of crisis we we feel like we've adapted really well already um i mean everyone's a little bit sort of anxious and uh, and confused i think that's without goes without saying but i think we're responding well and as the days go on i feel like everyone has wobbles but we're all pulling each other through i think that's the it's it's an ironic really that a disease that keeps everyone apart has brought everyone together it's a really strange sort of paradox i think that
0: and what does your wife do is she salaried is she full-time mummy? no she's a self
1: she's self-employed as well so we've both we've both uh as of however one it was have have, have no work on so we're both we're both trying to sort of get our businesses going again in a uh, in a remote weird world of technology so what what does she do what's your wife's business she teaches uh, French and German to little kids, so okay. in sort of playgroups and so. Sc- so she's using uh, Zoom or uh, to do that direct into people's homes now. Okay. So that's what she's been doing. So our house must look very odd because you've got me shouting jokes from my shed and my wife doing French and German from the back room. <laughs> it's just such a bizarre. It must sound like we're both on the verge of madness to an outside per- person, you know.
0: Let's let's talk about your shed show. I was very I was pleased yeah. and not surprised to see that you were the first person who managed to catch as to my knowledge who managed to catch mm. that wave of I'm going to do stand up remotely. You know, you've packaged mm. it as being in the shed uh, and mm. that makes sense and you've just talked to us about the experience of that because I know that you're you're someone who I think of as a really hard worker, right? In comedy terms. You've got a great work ethic. You constantly put stuff out And I imagine when Mm. this came along, you already have um, a little black book full of local press contacts because you've been pushing out stuff for your tour. And so you went, Mm. right, let's make this work. So let's just talk about the, the kind of the structure of that before we get into the show itself
1: i'd love to tell you that it was planned (laughs) but this is the the weird thing because someone said to me like oh you've done you are the face of the coronavirus do you know what i mean you're like someone said to me you know one man's pandemic is another man's career boost you know but it's it's a weird thing i mean i i didn't plan that what sort of happened was i lost the ability to gig and that hit me like a Train. I I I didn't realise how much I quite relied on it. If I'm being honest with you, I didn't realise how much my my I needed it. How much I needed it as an outlet. How much I needed that performance. And as from someone who went from gigging four five times a week and building and and having probably the best year I've had in my career. If I'm being honest, it was all looking wonderful. And then to have that just just blown away i think i responded by just trying to fight that thing of no i'm gonna i i i have to keep doing stand-up in Mm -hmm. some form Mm -hmm. so that was the initial thought um and then the the shed thing just came about I, i i think i suppose i just said look you know that's where i do all my writing what about just just continuing to to entertain people and seeing whether there'd be a market for that yeah and and then it, and it just sort of snowballed from there really Well, it wasn't any sort of um calculated decision you see
0: <laughs> okay so yeah. let's just look at the um look before again before we get into the kind of the show and the material i th- i imagine and tell me if i'm wrong that you are someone for whom the live diary is the I mean, for most of us, the live work is the, the trunk of the tree, but do you have any other, do you have a, other kind of online concerns, online kind of elements to your portfolio? Or is it purely that if you don't physically go out there and gig, there's nothing?
1: uh no i think i've got i do writing work for other people and i write regularly for sort of radio and and telly and stuff so that that is something that i'm able to do that luckily there's a few bits of that that mm-hmm. have, have, have fallen in uh and i have got um i've got sort of i put out sketches and stuff and i've got um uh albums online that i'm streaming and things like that and a bit of a yeah. facebook youtube presence but in it, i was just about to get a podcast going there was a lot of things that were about to happen okay. uh but yeah the, the the main trunk of the tree was the the stand-up and i think when i'd built i'd built an audience to tour and i had a tour lined up and a new edinburgh show and and it was all sort of that that was my main way of connecting with people and yeah what's been heartening in a way and a a positive is that I've managed to transfer that interest and support seems to have just come, came straight with me when I said, I'm going to do stand up from the shed and everyone just went, yeah, we'll watch. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that, that, has surprised me, if I'm being honest with you. Because I think, I don't know about you, but when, I, when I've when i sat, at, my daughter's sort of 10 and she watches stuff online, like uh, people unboxing toys and yeah. it gets like 45 million views. And I'm sure. like, I'm, put, I'm putting stuff out every day and no one's interested. And then this coming here where I've just said, it's business as usual, I'm going to write stand-up and do stand-up every week. And everyone went, we need this now. This needs to mm-hmm. keep happening. And and I just thought, oh, my God, I, maybe... I think we underestimated how people see it as such a distraction stand-up. I think people... We yes, underestimated the um, mental health benefits of it, I think, particularly now.
0: Yes. Yes, it's interesting. I was chatting to someone earlier on and about whether or not we think... Because le- let's assume that there is an end point. Let's assume we're not in our houses for the rest yeah. of time. I mean, I I I, I pessimistically... Imagine 12 months. Maybe it's three months. Who knows? Oof. But at, oh, yeah. at the... At, yeah, yeah, I know, right? I mean, who knows? At yeah. the end point, we will find out whether the, the celebration at the end of the pandemic, we will find out... It's going to change culture hugely. And Absolutely. I think either we will discover that it's the death of the internet because people don't want to talk on Skype or Zoom anymore. They're desperate to actually sort of physically be in the same place as each other. Or it's the death of the live circuit because people have realized, oh, actually it's perfectly good. You know, I, I can have perfectly good interactions without, I mean, maybe no one wants mm. to leave the house. Maybe it's the beginning of Wall-E, you know, where we're just, uh, you know, we just decide, oh, that's it. Well, you, you can go back yeah. out into the streets and no one does.
1: Well, I t- from a social point of view, is I feel like this is going to be—we're going to have a hangover from this for a, a year at least. I, I think we're going to have this. There's this weird thing there. Everything's going to be tainted now. Every Edinburgh show, every bit of stand-up, every bit yeah. of art that comes out is going to have this uh, flavour of the coronavirus bleeding through it. Because how can you? I was looking at my Edinburgh show. That I'd written and I'd done in Leicester, and it's the one I was so proud of it. And it was (laughs) now it's gonna have to be rewritten pretty much because I was like, my whole show was like, Our society is too manic. We need a moment where we can all stop. (laughs) This is seriously, that was the first sentence. (laughs) We've forgotten how to relax. We need to be stopped to take back our conscience. Yeah. Bang! Pandemic. That was never. That was never in the writing. But that's exactly what's happened. And now, like any stand-up that you do, how can you? This is our. This is a, a a moment in time that I think is going to permeate in every aspect of creativity. I think. Yes.
0: Yes. I mean, it's nuts because it's the closest in our lives to a, a war. I mean, obviously, our country has been at war during our lives, but in terms of a sort of world war ii blitz kind of you know the first time we've had to change our behavior um yeah that it's um I, I suppose because it's uh like we don't know what it's like to you know we, we I, you know the, the nearest thing i think of like um you know that song goodbye that was written about yeah you know the the war that then became a sort yeah. of folk song so i do wonder about you know the extent to which like at what point 6 months after the end of it and i mean the end of the pandemic not the end of civilization let's hope um but 6 mm. months after the end of it will it be will a comic come on and do a coronavirus reference and everyone groans or will <sighs> well, everyone yeah. cheer how long, what is it it's going to be like no one could predict how incredibly weird and different it's going to be
1: well i think i think there's going to be uh once we come through it there'll be a lot of babies born I think mm-hmm. there'll be a lot of there'll be a lot of divorces. Sadly, I think we're yes. going to see we're going to see a really straight... and I, I hope we see an upturn in. In people coming out and and seeing uh, and and being with each other again, yeah. that's the that's the way we hope, don't mm-hmm. we? I mean, mm-hmm. they might have to be sat two meters apart. You know, it might be a weird sort of look, but sure. I think there's that there's that. I didn't particularly. If one positive out of this for for comedy and for the arts is that there's a real thirst for it now. People mm. are desperate for it. I mean, I, I it's been. I have been shocked. How People are saying, oh, I can't wait for your stream on Thursday. And I literally just messed about in my shed. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, know,
0: you say, you say that. You say that. But what but, you did was use your enormous amount of experience and ability. And, you know, you had written creative, funny jokes clearly very recently mm. because they were about what's going on exactly right now. And you can obviously yeah. compare and you can bend and adapt your comparing to be an audience of one and two video cameras. So it isn't just yeah, yeah. you messing about in your shed. Let's you know. Let this this right. isn't well, this, this sweet. The, well. You know. I mean, come <laughs> on. This this isn't a BBC interview. This is this podcast. So you and I yeah, know yeah. that isn't you just f- having a, a dick about in your yeah. shed. There's an yeah. enormous amount of experience and decision making has gone into yeah. exactly how you play that and the decisions you make in the moment.
1: Is yeah, that fair? And I, I suppose. Yes, it is, I, and and I think those. I just get. I don't know about you, but I feel like when I'm not gigging. I, I I just don't like that feeling of rusting. I feel like all the mechanisms are, are, are sort of you are losing that power, that special powers. Yeah. It's like a, a superhero where you're changing back to a normal, a normal human. You lose it and I, a and normal human back. that you hate. No, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, and I'm like, and I was just like, I need to keep that that going. So for me, I just thought like this week I'm going to write about some other things that are happening. In, around the situation and how mm-hmm. I'm responding to it, but not just not just endless coronavirus jokes, because I, I think people are sick of that. Sure. I, I think people are interested in how you feel in the moment. How how has it affected you and your yeah. frames of reference, and how are you trying to? I mean, I find it really weird that I've set myself up now to write comedy mm-hmm. in a time where I feel the most anxious. Yes, that is as as a as an I've never had that before. Where I'm trying to now, I don't feel funny at all at the moment. Mm -hmm. If I'm being honest with you, some days it's it's hard. But then when I'm performing it, I feel like there is a catharsism to it, and I feel like I'm like I think I'm getting what audiences get. I think we're sharing that um, moment of escapism together, and I think there's something really quite unique and different about that that we didn't have before because they know I'm in a moment of trauma they're in a moment of tra- and we're sort of like together it's almost like missionary work together like we're pulling each other through you know it's a weird dynamic. that's lovely that's, going that's
0: on. really that's really well put I'm I'm interested in I'm just going to put a pin in anxiety until later on because I know you've talked yeah. about anxiety in in your shows before kind of pre-corona anxiety no, I don't. Yeah. that makes it exactly. sound like seems, it was you were waiting like for it little,
1: <laughs> seems like a little whinge now does not it <laughs> oh, were, you, were you a little bit sad were you <laughs> yeah no, I'd, I'd give anything to be back in that uh, that anxiety that's that I'd, I'd take that any day of the week
0: <laughs> but i yeah. think um i think that is there's a it's really well put about that kind of the idea of helping each other through. Did you feel yeah. that before, in the, in the before time, did you feel, um, like, what is it about comedy that particularly grabs you? Because I know for a lot of people it's the, yeah. I, I think for a lot of us, it's the selfish thrill of it's like jumping out of a plane, it's wonderful. and We all sort of mm. say, oh, well, I'm making people happy for a living. And you're like, sure, but that is absolutely secondary to how happy yeah. you're making yourself.
1: Well, I think uh, if in the time BC, before Corona, which is what I'm going to refer to Very everything nice. now, uh, uh, I, I think for me, I mean, I don't know about you, but when I was sort of growing up, I remember when I was about, I think I was about 16, um, my my dad gave me a, a, an audio cassette off the front of the Daily Mirror. This is mm-hmm. how it stuck with me and it was a comic relief one and it had like uh Rowan Atkinson doing the head teacher's sketch yes. it had um uh, uh Dudley Moore and Peter Cook doing the one leg too few yes. and it had yes. loads of bits of stand up and and I remember I just put it on and I just wore it out and I think it was a, it was a something clicked where I just thought for me comedy's always been more than music. And I, and I think, like, when people people say, oh, this is before I ever considered performing, I think it became part of your personality and I actually can't separate myself now from comedy. I think I've always been intertwined. So, like, I always remember, like, bits from Blackadder. I can remember entire scripts from mm. certain shows, Partridge. And, I, I, and for me, those... That the really interesting thing is in this moment of crisis, I've gone back to watching box sets of Partridge and the day to day as like a comfort blanket. Yeah, it's sure. almost like that's that's become my familiarity and my uh, safe space really. So I, I think for me that that the comedy where the reason why I loved I loved it is is that it because it, it's a it's a world that you're in. It's not like music. I think music's passive, whereas comedy there's like that. <laughs> I used to love watching the the moments on Partridge, the pauses, the sort of the, the way that every line had been considered. And it, it's just that, that sort of attention to detail. It's like watching a beautiful, moving art, really. And I think that nothing else, for me, gives me that sense of satisfaction.
0: It's, I, I, again, I think that's, that's beautifully articulated. I, I'm Although I don't disagree with you, for the purposes of kind of teasing out the idea, I'm just going to stand up mm-hmm. for music for a second and say, but yeah. surely all the notes in music have been, you know, in like jazz or in classical music, they've all been considered. Yeah. What is what is it that's different to you I, about that? Because I think I it's think a really that, interesting idea. I just want you to dig a bit further into what you mean.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that music always takes you back to a moment you remember. Uh, for me, anyway, like, so if I listen to a certain music, I can remember when I was at a festival seeing that band or I can remember a moment or a, 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 a where I was with someone and that. But for comedy, it's totally immersive. You're with that I am in that scene. I am in that bit of stand-up. I am with that performer. I'm, and I always remember when I used to go and watch comedy. I, I, I had a feeling that I was watching it different to everyone else. I think if you, if you are a comic or you are in comedy, I, I, I used to look at people's reactions. I, I yeah. must be like a I look, proper weird. Like, but I used to look like. I remember going and seeing Harry Hill was the first gig, and I was like 15, mm-hmm. and and I remember going and seeing him and just watching his eyes and the connection between him and the audience and the way he'd play the energy and, and let the moment set uh, the way he'd be orchestrating and conducting the audience and I'd be like fascinated I'd be like this is like a this is like the best magic trick I've ever seen and like it's not just haha funny for me it was like god there's so much skill here there's so much like precision and science involved And and I think with music you don't get that level of analysis you can't fully geek out on it i know you can if you sit with pink floyd and listen to the headphones but i think for comedy and 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 when you find the best thing about comedy as well is you find another person with that same connection yes which is how me me and my wife met was Mm -hmm. watching we were at university and it was back in the 90s where we didn't even have a tv in our own rooms that's how, how long ago it was so we used to go down to the um sort of refectory area and I remember they used to put shooting stars on every Friday night and we'd sit there with a couple of drinks and watch Vic and Bob and that's how we got talking and it was that sort of that so so it's always been part of my life really um and I think once you move into performing, it opens up a door into another dimension of it where you go, oh, my God, this is this is even better. I, I can create stuff now. I can be I can be Harry Hill that on that. I can be that person making those magic tricks. And I think that's the thing. I've never been able to play an instrument that well. So I think for me that, that comedy was the – I'd done The Apprenticeship by watching it for, I don't know, 14 years obsessively. And then I thought, and once you open the door and go, I'm going to do it, wow, it's just like a – it's incredible. Do you – do you manage- And I miss it, I miss it. <laughs> God, I miss it. <laughs> do you manage
0: to retain that – sense of wonder that kind of childlike glee and enthusiasm do you manage to retain that when you're doing tough gigs in tough environments in front of drunk people
1: yeah i will tell you how how i do it is because I, I think i think that the the moment you feel like you don't want to be on stage is the first step towards this the 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 the, the, the magic going i think i think there's always there's always times where you do gigs where there's no connection and but I think you have to approach it in that you want, you still want to get something out of it. I think you still – it's always like that thing I love about – I've got that wide-eyed enthusiasm because I think that comes with writing a lot and creating things and thinking, I'm going to try that bit, I'm going to mm-hmm. shuffle my set this way, I'm going to engineer mm-hmm. this bit, I'm going to trim a bit off there and that, and, and I think once – I love that about com- comics sometimes because I, I, I really I love comics when they walk into a gig. It could be in like an abattoir and there's meat swinging. There's no lights. There's people screaming and shouting. And and in a comics brain they'll think I can make this work. I
0: yeah. can make this work. Yeah, I can get yeah, a win okay. out of this.
1: And that's that's the that's the thing that keeps you going really and also drives you mad. I think that's the the fascinating dichotomy of it. So. In terms
0: of where you are in your career, Mm. I feel like you're a kind of any day now breakthrough. Do you feel like that's where you are? Like I feel over the last couple of years, I've seen more and more of you. You've clearly put your foot down on releasing content, uh, Mm. promoting it. You've done that thing that everyone has to do when you want to market your own work, where you feel eggy about posting it all over the place, Mm. and then you get over that and you do it anyway. Like yeah, you, you you've been doing that.
1: Yeah, and and I think I think what it comes is, and I knew I'm sure you'll know this as well. Is it's it's when you did I did my first little tour, and I think that opened my eyes to be like I can play to people who want me to do content for them, who want who, who are interested in what I'm saying, who are going, hello, we're sat here. Come on, just give just entertainers, and that that became the utopia. And to and and I think. Before all this chaos happened, but I, I was I was building towards that. That's that's what I want really is to be able to go out and play to people who've come to see you and build that relationship. And and I, I'll make no bones about it. I do want to be that uh, arena comic. I do want to be that big room comedian. I, I feel like having a, I've got a common touch that I can, you know, without being hack. Hopefully, uh, I feel like I'm I'm trying to. I, I finally found a way of the writing side of things, the writing muscles strong and the performance muscles are strong. And I think the confidence of giving up a a job and and making comedy my life, I think all that sort of converged together at the end of 2018 to then go, right, this is, this is where you need to go now. And I think hopefully when all this sort of settles down, I'll be able to pick up where I left off because it was all sort of work. It it was all building. Mm -hmm. And um, in terms of, the, uh, the the seeds I was sowing, I was thinking, right. Well, this is all going to come together. So, I, I do hope it blows up. I really do. I, I make no bones about it. I, um, you know, I talk about it in my last show. I gave up an awful lot. I know a lot of people sacrifice stuff, but I particularly. You gave had a really, you had a really lot.
0: sweet gig, right? You had like a, a very well-paying. Yeah, you were a designer. A,
1: a, yeah, product designer, and uh, I had a well-paid job, which I could be doing from home now (laughs) but there you go Uh, this is the thing and and if and if if you want to meet to be honest with it uh, this is why this moment now we're in has been so hard for me because it took me a year to process giving up my job to do comedy Mm. to get all the guilt was that that only a year ago it was 2018 2017 sorry end of 2017 so my previous Edinburgh show was all about that guilt of doing something for you, but you're dragging your family and, and you've got mm. responsibilities and how does that actually, what does that look like as a decision? And mm. and it took me so long to process that decision and I just, I felt like I just got through it mm. and this, if I'm being honest with you, this has now dragged up those feelings again because this is, this, I, I sort of, what I'm feeling sometimes with this situation is, well, told you so, mate. Do you know what I mean? This is, this is what could have happened. And then it's now bringing those feelings of, and I know it's silly, but it's that sort of, it took me so long to get the confidence to go, comedy's my life, and now this has come in, and it's just hoping there's something there when I come back and, and, and we can carry off where we left off, you know. And,
0: and when you say told you so, mate, you're kind of giving voice there to the kind of negative voice in your head that said, yeah. you, you can't do this.
1: Yeah, and the undermining thing of like you know, what were you doing? You were forty. You were having a crisis. All those sort of voices have come. Oh, down.
0: is that now? This is there's a term that um, Felicity Ward used on this uh, podcast many years ago, uh, calling it "old faithful." Old faithful is yeah. the, the bat that you are used to picking up and beating yourself with. So your yeah. old faithful is this is just a midlife crisis.
1: Yeah, and 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 i and I managed to justify. I got past all that because success people always say about success doesn't make you happy and and certainly money doesn't make you happy but i think success does quell the anxiety and i think for me that that that's where i was starting to have those moments which were like if you like extinguishing those old faithful anxieties and going look, this is this is um you know it's it's You were proven right, and then this has come along, and now I'm in that element of doubt again. And I think that's why I don't know. I think me doing that thing in the shed and is me fighting, if I'm being honest, fighting that 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 thing of just if I sit back and let this consume me, then Mm. I I've you know I've, I've I've listened to that voice, you know, whereas I'm I'm trying to fight it now and go look. This is this is. You know, I, I I've got to keep this on the rails. There's too much at stake, really.
0: How is your? So how do you? Spe- that's 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 really interesting. Thanks for being so candid about that inner voice, because I think that's that's a, a really that's a, I think that's going to be of use to a lot of people. Like, how did you? How did you extinguish? How did you start to extinguish it? Pre all of um, this, like how how did um, you manage to get to that point? Where you, presumably it must have helped. Like in the same way as you're saying now that when things are going well it's much harder to to it's much harder for that negative voice to go oh, well actually you're a dick because you can just go well yeah. look at my bank balance or look at the latest yeah. gig i did or the tour i'm yeah. doing support for or the tour i'm doing for myself much harder to listen to that before you get to those just to just stay with that track of, of thinking at the moment before you get to those moments where you can go see little voice I yeah, little voice. You know, before you can sort of say to your negative self, "See, I can prove it." How did you cope going into there?
1: I think. um, I mean, I had a a bit of CBT, which I think a lot of a lot of comics have had, which is sort of trying to compartmentalize. This is cognitive behavioural therapy for therapy, yeah, which has been part of probably fifty Edinburgh shows for as long as I can remember. But I, I think I think what I tried to do was. I think by sort of stepping back from it, I was able to just see it for what it was, which was you know like i was able i wasn't great with risk, and I just thought at the time how I got through it was look this is your you've you've it's not a whim this your comedy this has been a ten year sort of passion there's you know yes. millions of people have passions out there, and this is the first chance you've got of of making it happen and and if i'm being totally honest, i don't think you get to a point where you're either a comic or you're not. You're either in comedy or you're not. It's not... Yeah. I don't think part-time is fine to just eke along, but I felt like I need to be... As soon as I went full-time and I committed to this, my work rate improved, My uh, everything started to click, and it's because I was dedicated to it, but also I had to make it work. And that's still the same now, Um which... I mean at the moment i I'm trying to every day I'm battling those negative voices, and for the first time in two years I'm employing those techniques again of trying to compartmentalize yeah. and trying to suppress that negative energy yeah. but this this whole moment we're in now has has made me question it again that decision, and that that's what um saddens me a little bit because I think well. I, di- I didn't think I'd be coming to that, revisiting that so quickly after after this. I thought we yes. were on an upward trajectory now, and, yeah. and I think there's a lot of comics now who are sort of stepping back from comedy and looking at you know. I don't, I don't. I think we're all v- vulnerable, but I used to think, well, anyone's vulnerable if you've got a, your own business. Anyone's mm. vulnerable, uh, which is still true. But it's just that sort of moment where I'm like, oh, my, oh my word, I, I can't, I can't perform now. This is, this mm. is not being able to perform it's not just a financial thing it is like i said to you before it's the thing of this is you need it you 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 know you've you've your whole you you, even the endorphins and the the dopamine is your brain's conditioned to be doing that and when that's all taken away it makes you you start thinking again and i think that's the danger for any comic you know (laughs) thinking thinking can be productive and negative and that's the that's the problem i think
0: So this is Scott. You can follow him at uh on Twitter and Instagram, Scott B Comedy UK. All one word, Scott with two Ts, Scott B Comedy UK. That's kind of like Johnny B Good. And you could well, I mean it's Johnny B. Bennett, isn't it? That's the point. Um and also his website is scottbennettcomedy.co.uk. That's Bennett with two Ts. Two T's in Scott, two T's in Bennett, you know, like the name Scott Bennett. If you would like to go to the Insiders Club, com slash insiders and sign up there, then you get access to the extra podcast. And remember, 20 more minutes of Scott talking about how he writes with other comics, including Rob Brydon, Jason Manford and Deliso Chaponda. So lots to enjoy there. Hey, we had a cracking, oh my God, I've got the Robert Popper episode in the can. And it's an absolute, I mean, do I say things like doozy? Am I the sort of person that would describe something as a doozy? I don't think I am. I'm going to have to back away from that now. But um, it's, uh, I mean, I say belter and banger most often, don't I? It, it's such a great episode. This is Robert Popper, the creator-writer of, that's uh, a special job you can have in comedy, a creator-writer, uh, of Friday Night Dinner. And also just one of those kind of behind-the-scenes, super-influential comedy producers. He was a commissioning editor. We talk about that for a little while, about some of the shows he commissioned and worked on. And he was also, and this this for me was the sort of the headline, he co-created and wrote and performed in Look Around You, which if you haven't seen, get online when you finish listening to this episode, get online and search for Look Around You on YouTube or the other uh, video aggregating technologies out there it's, um, I don't want to tell you too much about it. If you are of similar age to me, if you remember anything about the way science was taught in the 70s and 80s, it is just the most wonderful platform for the most head-squeezing, absurd comedy. And it, it honestly makes me cry laughing. So a fantastic episode coming up next week. With Robert Popper, there is also coming your way soon, if not already, a special lockdown episode with brilliant comedian Alexander Bennett, where it's not like a a proper com-com yet. Uh, we'll, We'll do one of those with Alexander before too long, but it's sort of an episode about... Uh, coping in the time of crisis. So if you're up for hearing people cope, that's a very fun and entertaining episode hearing from Alexander who just moved house and as a result is self-isolating with a French woman he doesn't know. So all of that to come uh, on the feed and uh, also, oh listen, last little plug here because this is occupying all of my time at the moment. If you go to infinitesofa.com uh, that currently directs you to a little hidden subpage of the ComCom website, but it will have its own site before long. InfiniteSofa.com. You can find out all about Stu Goldsmith's Infinite Sofa, which is a massively multiplayer online chat show of my own devising. And we've had some wonderful guests on that. Um, we've had some great, we've had uh, cabaret, special acts. We've had musical comedy from Jolly Boat. We've got Phil Ellis coming up uh, later this week, Mondays and Thursdays at 8pm via infinitesofa.com. Have a look at that. I'm so proud of it and what it's becoming. I'm basically getting to be Kermit and having my own Muppet show. So it is pleasing me immensely. Check that out. infinitesofa.com will give you links to watch live on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitch, whatever your, your thing of choice is. Your thing, that's a technical term. And um, and more importantly, it will also tell you how you can sign up to be on the Infinite Sofa in the next episode, which is uh, it's basically a Zoom gallery that I'm pushing live onto the internet where we interact and play with the audience. So we have like a, a studio audience on the sofa and then people watching at home. I made it up. It took me three weeks. Everyone's doing something similar, but no one's doing it precisely like this. It is the warmest and most genuinely atmospheric place that I've been part of online. So I'm really excited to welcome you there. Let's get back to this episode with Scott Bennett. So let's go. Let's just go back a little bit to your journey into comedy. So this was after you'd met your wife at university. She's been with you for the whole of the journey, and I should say as well, Mm. it's clear from the the shed gig, which we've referred to obliquely a few times, for the benefit of people who aren't aware.
1: You did how many thousands of people watched it? Did you get a good couple? I think. Yeah, I think we got to uh, on the, in terms of we caught up on the stream and everything. We're about twenty-one thousand now, which incredible, is incredible, incredible. Well done! It's just, it's and, unbelievable. And yeah. I'm, I'm
0: sure a big part of you performing stand up in a shed to an audience consisting of your wife and a webcam, and um, it, it mm. can't have hurt that your wife has the most incredible infectious laugh. <laughs> like you <laughs> had the gig bit. of your life, which is you sort of you yeah. look at the components <laughs> that make up someone's w- kind of not professional environment, life environment is like. Having a wife that thinks you're hilarious and displays it all the time has got to be an absolute yeah. benefit. <laughs> oh
1: yeah. I mean I mean this is the thing this is the thing that's really weird is that everyone sort of said, you know, uh, someone wrote on the webcam thing and said, Oh, it's it's really good, but whose is that cackle? And someone wrote, It's it's his wife, mate. You know. Uh, yeah. But she she was um yeah, she was great. I mean, the thing is, is we've we've tried, I think it's helping both of us it's really weird I think like you know uh, we're going to try for the next show we're going to try and pick a different laugh for Gemma that's <laughs> a, a range of laughs a range of laughs but I think yeah it's, it's always good to have that person I mean I tell you what there's nothing tougher than doing a gig in, in a chipboard tomb with one member of the audience I mean I've had tough Edinburgh's but nothing <laughs> compared to that um, but I, I think yes her support I mean that's the thing it's just demonstrating that her support has been unwavering really and and I think there's a lot of comics out there, and and I remember I can't remember who told me this. I think there's a lot of comics who've, who've stopped for whatever reason. Uh, it might be that you know, that it's life circumstances. But a lot of it is they have a partner who makes them choose. And I, and I think mm. that's something that people probably don't realise is that comedy is all consuming, mm. and it's uh, it's uh, it's like introducing a third cog into a relationship for many people. And I think like there's been people who've you know it's very hard. To say to someone, I can't, I can't do that because I'm going to be in Glasgow in six months. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's very difficult to for someone to to swallow that, and particularly for Gemma when I didn't do comedy when we met. I sort of inflicted it. Really, mm-hmm. I, I I I had a normal job. I we were all you know we had a nine to five life. It was all, and then this came along, and and it's sort of like a a, a bomb went off, really. But she's been there. She's been there all the time. I, I like to think of it as like, you know, I, I've taken all our money and stuck it on a racehorse. And uh, if that wasn't bad enough, I've asked her if she wants to be the jockey. That's the, that's the, that's the sort of analogy. Do you know what I mean? And so, so it's, it's one of those things where I think the support network behind a comedian is just as important as the, as the comic themselves, I think. Yeah.
0: Okay, okay. And, and so in terms of you becoming a performer, what was the first mm. step you took? Towards becoming a performer, and and what was your relationship to
1: risk at that time? Mm. Well, this is the weird thing. I don't think anyone's uh, aware of this, but I when I was at university, we they had like a a review in the halls. So in the in the halls that we we're in, they did like a regular like, showcase review thing. Mm-hmm. And my wife Gemma's an amazing singer, so she was already doing singing. She was singing songs, playing the piano and stuff. And then um, I sort of said, oh, I'll do stand-up, but all I did was I did a Harry Hill impression, which it didn't make any sense <laughs> with my hair, but I put a swimming hat on and I did sort of, I had a thing on and I did stand-up and I did his stuff and it was fine, it was all right, but then a couple of people sort of came up to me and went, do you know, you actually sound like a comic. And okay. I said, what do you mean? They were like, you already sound like you could, you've got the rhythm, you've got the cadence, you've got the, you can deliver the jokes perfectly. And I think what I'd actually done is over the years of watching comedy, like by osmosis, those sort of skills had sort of crept in. So I could understand the rhythm of a joke, even though there's no comedy course or anything. It was just like mm. listening and watching and studying. It's almost like the the I'll learn the mechanisms without, really have been aware of it and then i just it was the thing that was missing was the confidence in writing your own stuff and yeah. being being what was at 18 i had nothing to talk about no life experience and so i didn't feel due like, no
0: respect to 18 year old comedians
1: <laughs> well yeah i mean i, I mean i obviously that you know i i get that it, it, you, you talk about what's in front of you but i felt at the time that I think it's a lot to do with who I was as well. I was a little bit shy, and 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 then as the sort of it took me sort of twelve years. I mean, I didn't start, I didn't do my first gig till I was thirty. That's what a few people don't sort of realise is I sort of I, I spent time writing stuff, and then I, and I just and then I remember um, I was at work one day, and I thought I'm just going to go and do an open mic, and I, and I went and did one of these gong shows, which the audience can vote you off and uh, ended up winning it on my first gig. And, and, and I think that, although it's not, nothing, mate, I think that sort of... I think if I'd have probably died that first gig... I don't know how I would have recovered from it. I think I've often mm. thought that because you don't know what a death is when you first start. You just think, oh, God, I'm not funny. Run, 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 run. But then, like, it, in my head, something clicked, and I can't even remember the material. It was whatever it was, but I, I think it was about becoming a dad. I was just about to become a father. Um, and, and 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 then, from then on, I mean, you know yourself, it it, it networks, and then before you know it, you you're doing gigs all over the country. And for the first... You know, two years. You just sort of building, and I do remember there was one key moment, and I remember it distinctively. Is that I was doing a gig, it was going okay, and then I had a moment where I started talking about my dad as a as a person, and I did a couple of jokes, and the the response, the change, and mm. I, and I just thought, I know that now. that's my voice now. I've got to be. That's how they perceive me. That's how an audience sees me as someone who talks about. The everyday, mm-hmm. and though that sort of not mainstream—that's a, a tag that gets, I think, is is a is a not a fair tag to put on people because I think mainstream just means accessible. I don't think mm-hmm. there's anything wrong with that. And then, and I, and, I, and I just decided to sort of write comedy around my life, and and and, and that was the that was the key moment really. Um, and I think there's there's a lot there's a lot to be said for just seeing. The audience, I think we don't put enough credit on this as performances. The audience, when you walk on, they see you as a certain person, They, they, a certain person who can talk about certain things, who can do certain things. And and you'll find yourself, if you then go up and talk about things that maybe don't fit that persona, Mm -hmm. they'll go, hmm. And you're you're not aware of it, but you're on an elasticated limit as a performer of where you can go to. And I think that's been really interesting. As the years have come on, I've been able to just push that very, very slightly. And that's what I feel has been the improvement, is that I'm able to just spread my wings a bit more and bring those people with me because we've got more skill. That's the thing. You've got more skill of being able to do it, and that's what, that's the beauty of it.
0: What sorts of things were you saying before that you felt were snapping the elastic limit? What sorts of areas couldn't you go oh, into?
1: Well, I had a joke on my uh, current show um, which I said, uh, it's all about, as a parent, you know, my fantasy now is to be able to go into a restaurant with a meal, have a meal mm. with my children, and not feel like I have to say sorry to the staff on the way out. And mm. I say, um, I said, it's the state we leave the table. And the joke was, I said, we leave that table uh, the way America leaves Iraq. You know, there's <laughs> oil everywhere. You know, everything's on, f- you know, the staff are wailing and praying. You know, I said, mm. the only difference is we pay the bill. Now, that I used to really love that joke because uh, it was like... But then people were like, no, you can't do politics or you can't go into that area. OK. And, and uh, so it's just one small example of a joke that works on paper. I think it's quite clever and quite nice, but their audience just went, mm, not you. It's just very interesting and you can yeah, feel it.
0: I'm fascinated with this idea of what they will accept from you. So mm. t- were you... As an artist, as a comic, as a creative person, frustrated that you couldn't do your joke about politics? Or do you think the fact that they wouldn't accept it from you is more reflective of the fact that they could kind of smell that it wasn't the subject closest to your heart?
1: Yeah, I think there's I think this is the thing. I think you make two choices, don't you, as a comic? And I think you either you either want to be one of those comics who challenges people. Now I, I've got an opinion on this because I think that's absolutely fine if you're doing your own tour shows and you're building a following and people know what they're coming for. But if you're on a mixed bill on a Saturday night and people have got babysitters, they've waited all week to go out, the last thing they want is to be sat there on a Saturday night listening to a 10-minute routine on abortion. They don't want to be challenged. They want, to be, they want escapism. <laughs> do, you see, do you see what I mean? This well, I don't, I don't doing, agree with you, in...
0: but I do see what you mean.
1: <laughs> no, I... I know what you mean I don't think you should At all change Your comedy to, I think you have to I don't I'm not saying that's not Shouldn't be done I'm saying it's You have to be aware of that That there's members in the audience Who don't want To be challenged on that They want a laugh And I think there's Sometimes people Overcomplicate comedy That there's a re, We're there to Make people laugh Essentially However we do that Is up to us But I think When you move into The realms of sometimes Challenging people I think that's a That is a a difficult sell sometimes, and I think you can end up making yourself making it a very difficult gig for you. However, I I think as my career goes on, I probably will want to do, talk about other things because I think as you evolve and you get older, you have opinions on things, you have opinions on life, you have uh, you have different standpoints. Everything changes, and you want to be able to do that. And I think what that. Uh, alarm bell for me when they sort of went oh no that's not you Well, they didn't sort of boo or anything they just didn't laugh and Mm -hmm. I think that was like a a, a sort of a judgment and I think they think well we know Scott Scott we've got a connection with Scott and all and and I have to appreciate that they see me as a certain person and they've embraced me as a performer and a person Mm -hmm. and all it's done is it's made the stuff I do talk about they like even better because they're so it works both ways, you know. Sometimes they reject the stuff that maybe pushes the envelope, but the stuff they really love, they really love. So, so what? Do you, what sort of comic are you? We can't all be Doug Stanhope, can we? So it's one of those things where I think there's just I'm I I sort of maybe I I feel like with challenging comedy, there just has to be a. It has to be on your own tour shows. If you, I think it has to be the audience that know what they're coming for. But also, I think there has to be a skill in thinking, thinking what it, someone once said to me, and I can't remember. It might have been, um, I can't remember who said it to me. It's like, is it worth it? You know, is your joke so good that it's worth causing offence or worth... You know, maybe upsetting someone in the audience. So this mm-hmm. is not pandering to a woke generation. This is just an appreciation mm-hmm. for what you're doing and what words you're saying and how it's perceived. And I think that's putting that filter through your material is not a bad thing, in my opinion. I don't think so. Anyway. I do.
0: I, I, I do agree about kind of the, the like deciding whether to to to, to be offensive. Is that a decision you've mm. got to make? But I think in terms of challenging the audience, rather than specifically when we're talking about offence. I think there is—is there—is there not a danger that you give them what they want, and as a result, yeah. they don't know that there's something else there, or you're not? Do you know what I mean? I th- is it not about giving them yeah. what they don't know they want?
1: I mean, do you know what? Do you know what? I, I think this is where this is where I think this is why comedy is amazing because we're talking two ends of a spectrum here. We're talking. Mm-hmm. Comedy that sort of maybe challenges, or maybe sort of takes people on a journey, or addresses mental health issues. But then at the other end of that, you've got your, your Michael McIntyre or your, your your stadium comic, where you just go and piss yourself for an hour and a half, and you come away just like aching. And I think I have sort of a banger drum for the not for the club comedy mm-hmm. element of stand up, because I think there's a purity and a beauty to that that is often overlooked i think that keeping people laughing for an hour and a half and applauding Mm -hmm. and making people cry laughing Mm -hmm. doing stand-up that you know is relatable and you know funny and interesting i think that's the key i don't think i i think i need to re 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 reframe what i said to you earlier Yeah, yeah i don't think challenging is a problem i think interesting Whatever you're doing, it's got to be interesting. It's got to be interesting to you. It's got to be a part of you. It can't be sort of, you can't be, you know, anyone can make observations, but making observations with that sort of, with you in the middle of them and selling them as you is what what makes them magical. And I think that's, that's what, but I still love that club comedy and I love that. Beauty of of people writing routines that are you know that everyone can relate to, but are amazingly mm. crafted. And I think there's a that's where where my sort of stand up love is. Like that's where I would, if I had money and I weren't doing comedy, I'd go and see that. I'd go and see the McIntyre's or the mm. you know the John Bishops or the Manfords or the Sean Locks or the Sarah Millikins. I'd go and see the big Flanagan all these big stadium comics mm. because they have that ability to t- to turn. Ordinary routines into beautiful bits of craft where you, as a comic, you go. Ah, that's that's how you do it. Like, yeah. and,
0: and, there and is, I think there's on, sorry, there's been
1: too much. I was just gonna say there's been too much snobbery against that. Is I I always remember when I first started comedy and we were we were above a pub somewhere. It was an awful gig. There was about four people in, and, and we were all open spots. They were all chatting, and someone said, "Oh, I hate I hate Michael McIntyre. You know, all he does is go and point stuff out." And I felt like going. Just go, you try and do that then. It's, <laughs> you don't sell seven nights at the O2 by pointing stuff out. You know, sure. we're, we're above a pub and there's two people and a dog in the audience. Do you know what I mean? We, this, this is like the work ethic behind those routines should not be underestimated. I, I really do feel that. Everyone is, he's, he is as good as he is for a reason. Mm. And it's the work ethic and the craft that is in those routines. Every single word.
0: That that idea that you that people throw things away too soon, do you ever reflect on your decision not to do political stuff? That thing you were talking about earlier of like you tried it, yeah. it didn't work, and they yeah. went they won't take this from me.
1: Yeah, and and I, I am actually gonna redress that balance. I think I think I'm I am gonna try and and do sort of maybe at new material nights or so, I am going to try and write 10-minute chunks of that because I, I, I feel like that is a point where I'm like, I want to do that. I feel like I've got opinions on that. Yeah. And I'm not going to... And I, and if I can make that work for my audience, then I've that's an amazing thing because I've dragged them with me and I, and that is a challenge that I really want to do. I do not want to be confined by what people perceive me as. That, that is... Because that then means you're writing comedy with your hands tied behind your back, aren't you? Yeah. And you just don't want that. So
0: do you think there is... A, what is your notion of whether there is a place at the table for a middle-aged guy with a couple of kids mm. to get... Like, we, we've all seen people be famous first and then get into middle age and have kids once they're already famous. Is there mm. is there a place at the table still for you at this time in your life?
1: I hope so. I, I I mean I I am not going to be the one to make that decision. I I I I think I've I yeah. I mean it's so difficult, isn't it? Because I feel like there's two there's two elements in comedy. There's the circuit and there's the stand up and uh, the weekly grind of it and then there's the telly and then there's the the links between the two and that that's all like a a world that seems very different i think people see edinburgh and you know club comedy is different and there's so many different islands of where we are but i do hope so i I hope there's i think there's still a market for people who can do big room comedy that that appeals to everyone and it's original and and i and i've given up I think the moment clicked with me when I thought, I'm going to give up worrying about that because I don't feel that it's helpful. I don't feel like it's helpful to your creativity, to your, your mental health. I don't think it's helpful to your mm-hmm. confidence. I think you've just got to keep on producing stand-up and you've got to just keep on performing and building your audience and eventually, I think... That 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 will catch up. That that the I have faith that there's a meritocracy and that that will eventually happen. Um, and I think it was it was starting to move that way before this happened. And I think I think yeah. I'm hoping that I'm hoping that I can pick up. You know, we've just been paused temporarily, and then we can all just pick back up again. That would be a that would be amazing. And and I, and, I, and I, it's made me more determined than ever, really. And I think I think I'm just. You know, I I have anxieties, you know, I'm forty-one this year and I've got two kids, I've got you know a mortgage, I've got a I've got a lot of things on the line and, and I, I just wanted I suppose I just want to get a chance, that's all. And, I, and and no one deserves it. No one everyone works hard and no no one owes you a living. But it's that moment where you think you just want I suppose you just want recognition. You just want you just want someone to see I suppose you just want to see what what uh, connection you can make with people, and I think if you it's it's been able to play if I could play to people in my own theaters and and tour off my own name, that's all I want really. That that is really all I want is that sort of being able to sell tickets under your own name. That's what most of us want, I think.
0: So, in terms of the the pandemic and surviving the pandemic and the amount of energy and nervous energy and creative energy and optimism and despair that is all going into that, that is is kind of emanating from the comedy circuit in waves at the moment. Like everyone is casting about what can I do? How can I still gig? What can I invent? What two bits of technology can I mash together? Mm. What can I, uh, how can I do my job in some other form now? I'm calling it the great pivot and I'm hoping that catches on. But uh, I know Mm. that when you did your, your Facebook shared show, on facebook live are you planning mm. to do that once a week what what are your plans yeah. for survival throughout the the next month the next few months
1: yeah so so i mean i have other projects uh writing projects that are, are starting to to kick in again which has been brilliant that's that's sort of been fortunate that, these, that's these are presumably today, writing
0: projects for tv that won't get made for a while now is that what you mean
1: yeah yeah and uh, radio and bits and bobs like that which is which is just that's literally just landed this morning so that has been a uh, a, a a really nice thing that's come in at the right yeah. time um so I'll have some bits and bobs to do there but also I'll be um I'll be doing that show once a week and I, and I'm I'm trying to I'm thinking of I, what I'm trying to do is I'm, I'm trying to write topical stand-up for it at the top, um, a mm. couple of little features, and then I ring my parents at the end and we have a little bit of a mm. catch-up, and that's sort of the, will be the format. It was just a way of keeping in touch with people and saying, look, I'm still writing stand-up, I'm still performing, it gives me the chance to do those performance muscles. And then I think I want I won't mind keeping that going as like a Vidicast at some point you know like a, a, the the shed show vidicast you know uh, the stepping out of the shed tour that's I've already thought of that as an idea to, <laughs> for the end of the nice. year you know yep. and, and, and I think I think why not sort of like I think I might keep that going it, it, it's given me something that I think well you know there is, there is something in that as a regular thing that I didn't quite see could mm-hmm. be a possibility so I think that's what I'll I'll yes. be doing um going forward um, and then and I think I've got other things where I've got a couple of uh, scripts that I've been writing that I've never got round to finishing. So it's doing that. But I think as well, it's taking some time to think, have some thinking time and try and try and see this as a, a momentary pause. Like, you know, I, 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 I remarked that society was too fast and we needed that, and that applied to me. And I think as long as we can survive financially, um, which is always the question, uh, then... Yeah. I think it would be it would be beneficial creatively to have a bit of a step back and see what you can do. Because I think there is so many people pushing content at the moment. I think it's how people are going to translate that into their careers when we come out the other side. And I think momentary it could be a a, a period of reflection for, for for most people. And I think what that actually does is think in time. Is is essential, really? I think we are we're all we're all craving that, and I think we might actually have better things come out of this, more creative things come out of this, as because we're in a period of where people have got no alternative but to be with their own thoughts, and I think that we might end up having some brilliant stand up come out of this. Where I, I think and some brilliant comedy coming out of this, but it's just I think we're all sort of trying to create that that. Um, we're all, we're all putting that content out, but I think it's almost like what that means for the industry outside of this. I mean, that that's the one concern I have, is what is our industry going to look like when this is over? Is it going to be the same? Is it going to be literally comedy nights and theatre shows? Is it going to be something we all understand? Or is it going to be something entirely different? Because I think... that—that's Are we on the brink of a revolution as well as a pandemic? Are we in a, a, a weird sort of bob as as the bubble burst on on normal i hope not because i think audience and human interaction is something that we need to go back to after this particularly where we are now am i right in
0: thinking that you forgot to ask for money at the end of the shed show
1: yeah yeah i i i don't know why i i, I did i suppose it's just i'm used to not not doing that but i i did i, I put up a paypal link afterwards and people have been very generous but it's just something that I completely I, I think what it was is that i was having i was having such a good time and i suppose i was nervous and i i completely forgot to plug it which was ridiculous so i, I gave it away for free which was a uh, but a lot of people have since contributed via paypal which has been lovely and i think i think it's just one of those things where when, when you were doing it there was such an overwhelming response of people saying oh we really needed this it's like i forgot there was a financial pressure I mean a a lot of comedians as well you know doing it for the money is great but I think sometimes we've I've gone and done gigs and driven out and thought oh I haven't been paid go back I've got to go back and I think it's because you you enjoyed it so much and the it's not uh, it's not primarily about the money we need the money to survive but the, the primary thing is the performance and the the enjoyment of doing something that's a passion as a job and I, and I think that that has translated into the shed. It's an interesting you pointed that out actually because I I never fully appreciated that. But then that's what it is. Is I just saw it as another gig, and then yeah. it was, I suppose it was Gemma just pulling my leg, going, "Earn some money, <laughs> money. we got you know we got to pay a mortgage." But so I, I think it's one of those things where, yeah, I I, I sort of forgot that, and that maybe is an indication that how much I enjoy stand-up that I think as well is it's really weird because I've watched it back and it does seem that I was, you know, in a place it, it, you can see the difference in how it made me feel about things because I was able to that like, escape and have that moment of joy, you know, which which is very difficult at, at the moment, I think, for a lot of people. But stand-up is able to give me that. To wrap up then,
0: what do you see as your superpowers in comedy? and what are your vulnerabilities
1: okay um okay that's an interesting question i think the su- the superpower is um i think i'm able to write quickly i think i'm able to sell an idea well i think if i've got if i've got the bones of an idea and i get that working i'm able to really perform it and really i'm able to take it once i get people rolling as an audience i can yeah. keep that going and I, and that is a that is something that i love I, I, there's nothing better than seeing at the end people saying I was, i'm tired i'm hurting from from the laughing and you think well that is i've everything i've said has landed and that is the, that is the best feeling you know to to have that to know that you've had that connection and i think the the weakness is i, I um, if you like is that sometimes sometimes i find I go i may be I maybe lose that organicness. I think sometimes I I I I need to be roughed up a bit on stage, and and I know that when I've worked with directors in the past who've seen me do it, they're like, oh, we're, we're, the polish is a real strength. It's a real strong card for you. That sort of mm-hmm. performance and that big person and that that sells your material. And when you're doing big rooms and tour dates, it really comes together. But when we're seeing you being vulnerable or when we're seeing you talking about different stuff. And that's maybe why that joke didn't work as much. You know, we've got to scuff you up a bit. We've got to show them that sort of it has to be less polished or less, you know. Because, them because some... it
0: needs to be authentic and the polish yes. covers up the yes. authenticity.
1: Yes, and it's almost like we need to. you need to have those gears as a comic. You need to have that, just as you have to play big rooms and small rooms, mm-hmm. I think you have to have those facets of personality where you have to be if you can be like I, I, i'm trying to think of a comedian who's got that who it's it's hard to think of someone who's got that who like i think i think seinfeld has the polish mm-hmm. but then like i'm trying to think of someone like probably daniel kitson has that ability to have some some of that performance aspects but then has that scuffed up sort yeah. of i don't know I, i'm trying to, i'm trying to think it's hard to think of someone who's got that Glenn Wool's a good example, mm, I think. Mm-hmm. Glenn Wool is—he—he—I've he, seen him do sort of stand up on like the co- comedy store. It's all polished and s- snappy and bum 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 mm-hmm. bum. And then I've seen him do Edinburgh shows where it's more sort of scuffed and indie. Lucy Goosey, as Glenn said yeah, to me recently, I—I and, and, uh, I yeah.
0: took some risks on stage at a gig with Glenn recently. And uh, and then it went wrong, and I lost my place. And afterwards, he was like, "You were going to be a bit loosey goosey there, weren't you? You came (laughs) unstuck." Yeah, Yeah, but he he could be loosey goosey, right?
1: Yeah, and and I think that that that's the thing is, if you can play with those textures, uh, but that that the only way you can do that is you have to know your material and you have to be in the moment. And I think that's another thing that comics who have that I have that polish, which is what I've learned over the last few years, is that having the polish. And the the precision, you've still got to be in the moment. You've still got to be in the room. You've still got to be feeding off the energy. You've still got to read the room. It can't be a, a scripted, phoned in presentation. It has to be an organic relationship in the energy between you and the audience. And then I I, I think, but it, it gives me something to work on. You know that that's that's the I don't think I'm there yet. And I think that's why I keep working at it because I think comedy is one of those things you never fully get. It's like juggling sand, isn't it? You're never fully, you're never to the point where you go, I could sit back and I've done it now. You have gigs where you go, that went well. But I think comedy is one of those things where, unlike music, you have to keep working at it. Are you happy? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Uh, what, in general? Yeah, I, I think i would be happier when I'm gigging again, if I'm being honest. i would be happier when I can, I, I've got my... I can go out and entertain again. Uh, but yeah, I think I think I, am, I I think I'll reflect on this moment. If I can get through this and still do stand up and still feel the same way, then it shows there's a resilience there in what we do. And I think that's that's something I probably never anticipated is I, I've learned to my wife always says this to me she says if you don't if you if you're too worried about the future, you're not enjoying what you've got now. Uh, There's a lot of sense in that. There's a lot of I I have that anxiety of trying to, you know, extrapolate what's going to happen in however many years. Where whereas it goes for anything really. You've got to enjoy what you've got now. Otherwise, what's the point? And when when I talk about making it, whatever that means, or you know, having that moment where you blow up, then you're still doing it though. At the moment, you're still doing the stand up. You're still enjoying it. You know. Thanks, man.
0: Ah, so that was Scott. What a joy. Thank you so much to Scott for coming along. scottbennettcomedy.co.uk and Comedy UK on Twitter or Instagram. You can follow Scott and find out where his next shed, well, we know where it's happening, it's in his shed, but you can find out when and where to watch uh, his next shed special. Um, so grateful to Scott for coming on the show. Thank you as ever to Rob Smountain for the music, Jake Crossland for the logging. Your podcast consultant was Pete Dobbing and Nathan Wood edited and uploaded and produced the show. So thank you to all of them. We'll do a tiny wee postamble in just a second. But remember, check out InfiniteSofa.com to find out all about my new chat show concept online. You can follow me at ComComPod or at Stu Goldsmith on various socials and that's all I'm going to tell you for now, because there's just, oh, I tell you what, another thing, go to chopscomedy.com, chopscomedy.com. You remember my new material night in, in Bristol? Mine. The The new material night in Bristol, which I co-administrate um, with the brilliant Tony C and David Hoare. Um, yeah, the brilliant Tony C and David Hall. <laughs> let's, let's not imagine that was intended to come out like that. We had a wonderful gig last night and we're doing every Tuesday night at eight. Uh, brilliant new acts and uh, some fantastic circuit headliners and pro profile people dropping in as well. So lovely show there last night. And I'm often hosting that, which is a lot of fun too. God, I'm chucking a lot of stuff at you. Can you tell that I've been going mental for three weeks and creating new ways to work online? Well, that's what I've been doing. More on that in a minute in the post amble. Bye for now, look forward to Robert Popper next week and we've also got Alonzo Bowden in the can and we must have more in the can than that. Maybe we don't, i better get on it and record some more content. Speak to you soon. God, I really had, hadn't I? Um, that's, I'm, you know, I normally have like junkets and get tons of content on the go and then I'm like, great, let's just knock out these episodes and now, man, when am I going to find the time? Life is crazy at the moment. Have you? You know, I I read and um, uh, let's. I don't know that I enjoyed, but I got certain thrills out of the book, The Four Hour Work Week. I am putting into practice so much of that stuff, desperately trying to do a million things at once. And um, I can tell you now, for instance, that this. Uh, postamble cannot last more than three minutes because uh, I have to appear on Ollie Mann's wonderful podcast, the Modern Man. I, th- I think I said podcast. I didn't mean to do that. Ollie Mann's wonderful podcast, the Modern Man, uh, where myself, Tom Price, and Ollie himself, who all had babies at a similar time, uh, and many of us, not Ollie, I don't think we have now two babies. Does Ollie have two babies? Can't remember. Life is moving fast. Um, but we're gonna. It's a, it's a really exciting and fun show. It's kind of dropping in on us. So I think this is episode five and we've been recording them over the last four years. I'm about to record uh, another episode of that. So check that out. That'll be dropping fairly soon, I'm sure. And now it's two minutes left. This is going so fast. My wife is doing incredible work, doing the lion's share of the parenting. And I hope you are coping and being creative and exciting with your parenting fuck it's hard isn't it particularly when all the all the child free comics and people on social media are like yeah here's how ragingly drunk I'm getting and here's my latest funny idea and all the stuff I'm doing with all my free time and you just look at it and your face kind of your eyes glaze and your face cracks and you sort of smile and it breaks your jaw off like a I don't know like someone probably in at the end of the trailer for the movie Coco so <laughs> I'm I'm enjoying myself I think still but I feel like there might be a bit of a crash around the corner. You could sort of, I'm listening to my voice now as I record this and thinking, you sound pretty tight, dude. <laughs> you sound like that guy, on what is it, on Screen Rants on YouTube, who they do the pitch meetings for movies, like pretend pitch meetings. And he's like, yeah, leather jackets, yeah, leather jackets are tight. I, I feel i feel pretty tight. I'm going to take a breath. I'm going to change gear. I'm going to get ready for, uh, for Ollie's podcast. Thank you for listening. I'm sorry it's such a brief post-amble. Um, I am trying to surf the wave of what's going on. I hope that wherever you are, you are safe. I hope you are self-isolating in a, in a uh, uh, what, where, socially conscious way. And um, I hope that you're surviving either loneliness, if you're on your own, if you are on your own and you want to talk to me, go to comedianscomedian.com slash speak and you can leave me a quick message and maybe I'll play it on the podcast. We'll do a little special ep if we get enough of them. Um, I hope whatever you're doing, that you're coping uh, my heart goes out to those of you on your own, to those of you who are coping with parenting and to those of you who who don't necessarily have the best situations in life, regardless of the fact of the lockdown and maybe some of those things are being uh, compounded by the lockdown. It's in everyone's best interest and I know it's hard for all of us. So in whatever situation you are, um, get in touch, info at comedianscomedian.com. Let us know how you're doing and I will send as much love and support And, uh, what, me (laughs) and process oriented chat, whatever I can offer, I can send to you. And if you'd like a working lunch, if you want some little face to face thing with me to discuss your career or your, um, I didn't mean for this to turn into a pitch, but it occurred to me I hadn't mentioned that stuff. Um, those have been going great guns. I've had some fantastic, uh, comedy career chats or comedy, not it's sort of like not career and it's not teaching people how to write jokes. I'm sort of doing mini comcoms of people, mini unofficial comcoms of people where I try to work out what's blocking you creatively. If you fancy one of them, comedianscomedian.com slash lunch. God, I don't think i will ever plugged so many things in one go. I'm going to have to, what I'm going to do is rewrite the first page of the website. So it's just a menu of like, go here, go here, do this, do this, do this, do this and fill your boots. So I hope your boots are nice and full and warm wherever you are. Take great care, stay safe, and I will speak to you next week. Bye for now.